0: First, I'd like to mention that um, we have a kata here, um, which I've always I've always referred to. I just learned what the official name was of Susan Garvin. Uh, garment used in the Tibetan, Tibetan tradition, and uh, I've always called it since I didn't know the proper name. I've always called it friendship cloth <coughs> because it was given to me by. Mama Jim Claude at the time of my priesthood nation. So, uh, I think it, it reflects, you know, for me, today, uh, the purity of the, blue, the white cloth. And uh, somebody rearranged it, maybe a proper way. Yeah, thank you. Sir. So, uh, there it is. Would you. Lion's work? So, um, during Zazen, um, I uh, wanted to mention that I I, cited a haiku, Uh, it's not a haiku uh, I can claim credit for having uh, conceived, however I came across it recently and thought it was quite wonderful. and uh, so it, it went like this, for the benefit of the kitchen, it wasn't here. Um, seen through autumn mists, no mountain is not a far mountain. A far mountain. No mountain is not a far mountain. Oh yes, so I came across this and I thought it was, it was quite wonderful and I thought I should say that during sashim sometime. So I did and um, I think, you know, part of our sashim, first of all part of our sashim is, is kind of uh, metaphorically um, marching or um, walking through uh, the mists in the mountains and the rivers of afflicted consciousness. We have some barriers to cross, and um, we see that we do we do cross some barriers. Of uh, as I was describing in one of my other talks, two barriers, afflicted mental states. And cognitive errors She's seeing things um, so but I think we have during during the process of Sashin we have a process of seeing these these kind of barriers mental afflictions cognitive mistakes coming up and we we actually see that there's some um, there's a there's some ability to cut through there's a, some that just seeing, that just seeing uh, these barriers come up uh, allows us to uh, drop them and, well, maybe question them, and then uh, having questioned them, uh, cutting through them. So, according to... Uh, a teaching that we've been receiving recently, uh, in the uh, Valley Stream Study Group, um, called the, a teaching called the Vimalakirti Sutra, um, we, we never actually reach the far mountain. Well, let's say this, but we, we never actually meet but it is but in our in our work in Sashim, I think we we bring no mountain closer. We bring it closer. Not far, not far. <clears throat> but in according to According to the teaching we receive from um, uh, Dogin and from the Vimalakirti Sutra, we never actually reach no mouth. We never actually grasp the ultimate. We never grasp, in, a, in the way that a Buddha does, emptiness. And so, what the Vimalakirti uh, Sutra teaches is um, a, a, a fun word called Anu Balindi Dharma Krishanti. And uh, you know, Kirti Sutra is second century India. Okay, so uh, all the all the words and the terms come from uh, the the very uh, origins of the Mahayana at that time in India. And uh this term, uh Anam of Dharma Uh there's no Sanskrit speakers here, so I can get away with pronouncing it anyway, right? <laughs> so if Yo is here, I'm sure we get some correction. Uh but anyway this word means um The uh, patient uh, tolerance of not being able to grasp the ultimate, not being able to get a hold of no mountain. And so the patient, uh, the other way it's uh, translated, uh, the, the, the tolerance of inconceivable dharmas, tolerance just having tolerance and patience for the inconceivability of the ultimate. Like, our minds can't reach it. But, we can bring it closer. And we can get a glimpse in our practice. And that glimpse is worth everything. It's it, That glimpse... Uh, changes, changes the beings. It purifies the Buddha. Which brings me to uh, a wonderful teaching uh, that we heard in the Humalic Sutra that I, I want to recount for you. I think, it, I think it's such a, a, a good way to uh, end our session and contemplate and take with us from this, from this uh from this week together. Uh, and let me set the scene. I want, to, I want to set the scene because it's such a wonderful scene in the Bhimala Kirti Sutra. Uh, I'll, I'll open my book so that I won't tell you all the details. It's, it's quite complicated. But, uh, in the first chapter of the Bhimala Kirti Sutra called The Purification of the Buddha Field, first, please imagine that we're in 2nd century India, India, and um, gathered in a garden in the city of Vaishavya, there is a a great uh, congregation of bodhisattvas, maharagas, these are all enlightening beings, all enlightening beings, Lokapalas. there are Taoist sages, And, and all of these groups number in the thousands. And they're all gathered in the garden there the city of And there are also Brahmins, Brahmins. So there, they say it, in, 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 in like sages that we would, have, you know, in, well, there wouldn't have been Taoists, but there were sages of 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 maybe no affiliation, just just being wise ones, you know, freelancing around uh, around town. Um, So this huge huge gathering uh, in the garden, and there seated with them is the Buddha. So first in the in the in the in the chapter, the virtues of the sages and the bodhisattvas and lokapalas and maharakas are all described in detail, and uh, then um, the last to arrive uh, is a group of vichavi young. Young students, young young students of the Dharma, and they're led by a fellow named Ratnakara. And so they come, and um, I don't remember the order, but I think maybe Ratnakara first plays praises of the virtues of the Buddha. Uh, maybe he does this afterward. I think he does this afterward. First, they come, and they all have uh, each, and there's five hundred the Chavya youths. That's the way they describe. They all have a parasol, and they come in and they put down their parasol in front of the Buddha as an offering. And then the Buddha performs a miracle, and he um, he takes up all of the parasols and he creates a huge celestial canopy over the entire gathering, and you know with jeweled heavens and. Uh, uh, displays of rainbows, and you know, just imagine the most you know science fiction type of presentation you can think of with huge canopy over the um, over the assembly to bless to bless the assembly uh, and to consecrate it if you will. And so everybody gets to enjoy the, the great canopy for a while, and then it, then the Buddha makes it uh, disappear. And then Ratnakara comes forward and, as the leader of the five hundred, the chavies and praises uh, praises the Buddha, in in in, uh, in at length. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up and I'm gonna read you some of this. Um, it's it's uh, and it leads up to this main point. And it's not too long. But it, it gives you a flavor of what the of what the sutra has to offer. So, this is, this is the, the final part of Ratnakara praising the Buddha. And then it goes in, well, you, then you just can follow it. Obeisance to you who have cut through the bondage of all fetters. Obeisance to you who have gone beyond, stand on firm ground. Obeisance to you who save the suffering beings. Obese to you who do not remain in the migrations, the reverse. You associate with living beings by freeing their migrations. Yet your mind is liberated from all migrations. Just as the lotus born of mud is not tainted thereby, so the lotus of the Buddha preserves. The Realization of Voidness. You nullify all signs in all things everywhere. You are not subject to any wish for anything at all. The miraculous power of the Buddhas is inconceivable. I bow to you who stand nowhere like infinite space. I was thinking about what we brought up about um, uh, not one, <coughs> not two, not one, not two, <clears throat> and I was thinking, oh, yeah, afterwards I thought, oh, yeah, not standing, uh, uh, not standing anywhere like infinite space. Nowhere to stand. You can't stand in one, you know, in, in the one, and you can't stand. And... and uh, please don't stand in the two. <laughs> you can't stand in the one, either. So, nowhere standing. This is a teaching that um, a good Dharma friend of ours always used to bring to this uh, psalm some years ago, Darlene Cohen, and she was very fond of that, that, that teaching. You know, nowhere standing. Which is found also throughout uh, the project of Armito literature. And, I digress, let me continue with the story. <laughs> um, then, okay, then the young Lichavi, Ratnakara, having celebrated the Buddha with these verses, further addressed him Lord, these 500 young Lichavis are truly on their way to unexcelled perfect enlightenment. Like all of you. Uh, They have asked, what is the Bodhisattva's purification of the Buddha field? What is it? What is the Bodhisattva's purification of the Buddha field? Please, Lord, explain to them the Bodhisattva's purification of the Buddha field. Upon this request, the Buddha gave his approval to the young Lichavi, Ratnakara. Good, good young man. Your question to the Tathagata about the purification of the Buddha, Buddha field is indeed good. Therefore, young man, listen well and remember, I will explain to you the purification of the Buddha field of the Bodhisattvas. Very good, Lord, replied Ratnakara and the five hundred young Machavis, and they set themselves to listen. Now, this is the Buddha's teaching. The Buddha said, "Noble sons, a Buddha field of bodhisattvas is a field of living beings." So that's 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 really important statement. This is where this is where our work is. We now know where to work. You know, in our practice, in our lives, we work in a Buddha field of living beings. And, and and living beings also includes the great earth and the air above and the atmosphere and the trees and all that we can experience. Walls, tiles, pebbles in, in, in Dogen's teaching and, and you can find it elsewhere. In, it really includes living beings. Includes everything. Everything. This is now we know where to work. We work with these living beings. Of course, our fellow human beings um, are often our first object of attention. Uh, so that's fine. Um, let's let's work in, in in the field of our of our sangha and everyone we meet. Here's here's where we here's where we can meet people. This is the field. It's out of a song. Sorry. I won't <laughs> <see it. laughs> um, why so? Okay, so I'll, I'll start there. The Buddha, the Buddha said sons, a Buddha field of Bodhisattvas is a field of living beings. Why so? Rhetorically he's saying. A Bodhisattva embraces a Buddha field to the same, same extent that he causes the development of living beings. The development of living beings. So, you know. It says, um, you know, Rebecca yesterday was recounting some, you know, her difficulties. But um, you know, with, with what she's doing, you know, she's, she's working in a, developing living beings, right? She has two children, and that's her work, to develop those living beings. So, you know, we all, one way or another, whether we have children or don't have children, can, well, we can work on developing this living being. That's a good place to start. Excellent place to start. And we can we can gently and kindly work on the development of all living beings. Not, but not with an idea that they're working. That we're working on their development. You know, we have to be careful about that. But we can be interested in their development, and we can be inquiring about their development, and we can be seeing if there's anything they need from us, and uh, we can be nurturing. He um, He's not going to be here today. He's be here today. No, 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 no. Okay, I realized it's not uh, I was like his dream, his dream yesterday, that he was nurturing the young uh, chimpanzee, wasn't it? The chimpanzee? Yeah, like that. So, you know, he was, he, he was, there was some nurturing going on, some development and some relationship with the chimpanzee in his dream. He goes on, he embraces the Buddha field to the same extent that living beings become disciplined. Meaning, you know, trained in the, trained in our, you know, practices. And trained in the, what, uh, Thurman translates as the transcendences, the six, the six parameters. The, he uses trans, the six transcendent practices. But, um, we, we say, you know, often, we're more familiar with Armages or the Six Perfections, those trainings that can't be per- surpassed. You can't you can't do any better than undertake those trainings in uh giving, grounding patience, enthusiasm, meditation and wisdom. You just can't do any better. They're, they're the top of the heap. So you know, undertaking that discipline as training is is what our practice is. He embraces a Buddha field to the same extent that, through entrance into a Buddha field, living beings are introduced to Buddha-gnosis, Buddha's way of seeing things. Buddha-knowledge. Buddha's way of seeing things. You know, so, uh, he embraces a Buddha field to the same extent that through entrance into the Buddha field, living beings increase their holy spiritual faculties. I didn't review that, but I know faith is one of them, and um, that's, a, that's the first one I remember, and probably the last one I remember. But you can look it up later. There's a note, but I'm not going to bother you with it. Um, faith is the is the is the first uh, of the of the five uh, spiritual faculties. Why so, noble son? A Buddha field of bodhisattvas springs from the aims of living beings. That's good too, you know, because we're not telling people what, we're not telling living beings what their aims are. They're telling us. Living beings are telling us what they need. The atmosphere is telling us we need, it needs less carbon. So, you know, we, we, we said, okay, we will plant some trees. We will plant some more trees. Uh, we heard the cry of the atmosphere saying, I've got too much garbage. It's not working. It's not going to work for you either. So, please help me. And so, we planted some trees. And we can do other things in our lives to um, listen to the cries of the atmosphere. Listen to the cries of living beings. And you know, the unseen carbon is one of those living beings that we should listen to carefully. Very carefully. Right now. So, anyway, now we come to the what I really wanted—I mean, I love talking about this—but uh, uh, this is this is the um, this is the point that um, I really wanted to bring forth this morning. Um, he, gives, he says, and I'll just read this straight through. For example, Ratnakara, should one wish to build in empty space? one wished to build an empty space, one might go ahead in spite of the fact that it is not possible to build or adorn anything in empty space. In just the same way, should a Bodhisattva, who knows full well that all things are like empty space, wish to build a Buddha field in order to develop living beings, he might, or she might, Go ahead, in spite of the fact that it is not possible to build or to adorn a Buddha field in empty space. So this, is, this, I think, is really you know important. Even though it is not possible for us to conceive of the of the ultimate, or even um, to you know, for instance. Never make any more mistakes. Never, never make any more errors. Never have any. Never uh, uh, experience any um, uh, instances of afflicted karma, afflicted afflicted, uh, mental states, um, or uh, cognitive errors. Even though uh, this this is not possible, we should definitely. Go ahead with this project and build in empty space. And this, this, that, I think that teaching is so important and so encouraging. This, that we, that we do not let ourselves be um, deterred by the, uh, you know, persistence of afflictions or Cognitive mistakes. Not be deterred, even though it's not possible to stop them, you know, cold and never experience them again. We should nevertheless build. We should build. We should train. And uh, I, in the study group, I was trying to um, I was trying to re- uh, remember Suzuki teaching. This, which I did finally uh, it didn't take me long actually. Uh, to find it. Um, it is very much, it's very much, you know, an accord. He says, uh, "This is a, a chapter on bowing." He says, "To think it is possible, we will do it. To think it is possible, we will do it." is not Buddhism. To think it is possible, so we will do it, is not Buddhism. Even though it is impossible, we have to do it because our true nature wants us to. So, this is I think you know what's being what's being taught here in the Vimalakirti of the Kirti Sutra. Because our true nature wants us to, and even though it's impossible, we should, we should, we have to do it, he says. Then he says, but actually, whether, right, whether it is not possible is not the point. If it is our inmost desire to be rid of our self-centered ideas, we have to do it. When we make this effort, our inmost desire is appeased, and a non- and Nirvana is there. So, I always, you know, I always, I'm one of my uh, principal um, insights every time I do practice like this is. Um, I, my principal uh, insight is this is this is so hard. And it's not, it, it's a little hard physically, it's a little hard to sit in this cold building and know, so forth. Well, but what's really hard, what's really hard is to is to continually front, confront my delusion. That's what's really hard to do. Too. Oh, I don't really still think like that, you know, and I still come up with, and and then the what 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 um what what Sachin and what this kind of practice gives us is the strength to to not be knocked off our our cushion by the fact that we're continuing to fail every time we turn around to not be deterred in our effort even though we see so many examples of our failure and our misspeech and our misconduct and um, and our impatience and um, selfishness and so on and on. You know, even though we see all those things, they, they, what what comes behind that is yes, I keep seeing these things, but I don't believe them. I don't believe that, that this is my true nature. I don't believe those things are my true nature, even though they're so insistent and, and they're so uh, frequent. But I, you know, what what so she, what this kind of practice does is is give us the strength to have those things be there, and and and, and not and not believe that you know that that's the ultimate truth. You, you see, well, that's that's just my ancient twisted karma coming up, coming up. Uh, I don't I don't believe that's that's my best self. I don't believe that's my true nature. In fact, uh, I, you know, and this, and this, you know, this goes back. I mean, this can segue quite nicely into what we're about to do on our Shakyamuni Buddha. At the time of his enlightenment, he was attacked by all kinds of, uh, you know, desires. Uh, you know, Mara sent his 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 beautiful daughters to to distract him with desires. He Mara sent uh, his his armies to attack him and, and uh, you know harm him physically and uh, tear him down and defeat him and dissuade him and uh, you know the attitude of Buddha was I am not deterred I will continue to sit here no matter what no matter what you throw at me all your all these afflictions, all these misconceptions, coming up, coming up. I'm just, I'm just, I'm ready, <laughs> I'm ready for that. And uh, of course, the final one, the final, the final attack of Mara uh, was, uh, you haven't, you know, earned the right. You haven't earned the right to be enlightened, to overcome completely all your afflictions, you, you haven't earned the right, um, and that that's the point, when the Buddha touched the earth, as his witness, and the earth shook in 17 directions, or 10 directions, let's say 10 directions, and, um, but said, you know, in, the, in response to Mara, yes, He's earned the right. We confirm it. This we this greater confirms that you Buddha, you Shakyamuni Buddha, Buddha have you know fully awakened, have fully met all of this stuff, all all this stuff, and you and you now in your and you're ready to go forth. And teach your realization now. The earth confirmed that, and to me, that's that's the most moving part of uh, you know, our practice. And we, we, we uh, that's, that's the, it's a crux. To do we have the right? And I say, I say, yes, you do. And please, I say, you do have the right, and I say, you have the absolute right to speak your truth, to be heard, and to be who you are, and go forth in the world that intention. I have a right to be seen. I have a right to be heard. I have a right to speak. I have a right to express my opinion. I have a right to work for the the, the common good. And I will. I will do these things. Because I have a right. And, And in a sense of course we have a You've been given a mission, you know. Mission impossible, right? That's the one. <laughs> yeah, it says it right there. You know, It's a mission impossible. But you should never... What the guy says, just, He'd always say, yes, I've never said it. I won't undertake that mission. He always says, I'll go, yes, I'll go on that mission, whatever it was, <laughs> to defeat those bad guys. Do they have mission impossible in Russia? Yeah, we got we got <laughs> Mission Impossible in Russia. Okay, yeah. good. Um, so everybody has a right to go forth and express themselves in kindness, generosity, friendliness, goodwill. There are some strictures, you know, in terms of expressing yourself. They're not. It's not just whatever. We know that, right? Everybody here knows that and everybody here is living with that kind of intention. It's, uh, it's so wonderful to practice with you. I'm very moved by our effort together. So um, we've come to the end of the talk, and um, we, we kind of need to keep on the schedule. Uh, I, I'm giving five minutes if there's anything anybody wants to bring up. Good. Nobody wants to bring anything up? (laughs) Okay. Um, I want to explain what we're about to do a little bit.